Chinese Podcast. I'm Eric, and I'm with my buddy, Theo. And uh, we're bringing episode three of our History of the New York Giants uh, podcast series. Um, today, I mean, well, we left you off last episode. It was kind of the end of the 50s, um, the end of the Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry era uh, for the Giants. Um, and so Theo is going to let us know a little bit more about what happened after that. So one of the main parts of the Giants' history is their actual move to the Meadowlands, which is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. At first, when I when I learned about this, I was like, "Wow, that's that's kind of odd." You know what I mean? It being in a different state, you know. Right. And there was actually like looking deep into. Uh, this project there's actually like an iron underlying history and a bunch of things attached to this move so initially we talked about how they played at the polo grounds and that was from 1925 to 1955 1956 as eric mentioned like during their glory years they they moved to yankee stadium and they won a championship that year so and the following seven years after that they ended up winning five more championships so, at that time in their history, the atmosphere in the stadium was very posh. You know, like, ladies wore mink coats, men wore suits. You know, it was a sort of showcase thing. It was, like we talked about with the greatest game ever played. Mm-hmm. Millions and millions of viewers. Right. It started to become a major entertainment focal point just in, uh, in American culture. Um, at, mm-hmm. Before then, it was mostly baseball and boxing as a sport. Right. Football was starting to emerge. So um, we mentioned him before, but uh, the all-pro halfback, uh, Frank Gifford, he used his star power and good looks, and he ended up making more money in endorsements than actually playing football. Mm-hmm. So being New York as big of a market as it is, these players were seeing the potential outside of football, yeah. you know, and tying it to their sport. Mm-hmm. So, but by 1964, the Giants would begin a 17-year playoff drought that included only two winning seasons. Yikes. And at that time, like, going into the 1970s, football was becoming a national sport, especially with the TV deals, you know. Realistically, football is meant for television, like, I love watching it live, but I also just get, I get so much more. I not so much more, but I get a different kind of enjoyment watching it on the big screen. Yeah, you know, with all the replays and all the commentary. Exactly, it allows for another level of analysis as well when you're watching the game on TV. You know, that's obviously the commentator's job to, you know, draw the yellow circles and and give you more of an in-depth analysis, which is all part of it. But even visually. On the television, a base playing in a baseball stadium just wouldn't suffice. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we'd seen it before with the Raiders playing in the Oakland Coliseum. You kind of sort of hate to see the the dirt, the dirt, <laughs> yeah, and the outlines. Yep. You know, it sort of peeves me. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, when they were playing at Yankee Stadium, the Yankees were receiving the ticket money and the parking money. Mm. So a deal was actually in place for them to renovate Yankee Stadium, but the Giants insisted on finding their own place. 
And that brings us to a very important date, August 27th, 1971. The governor of New Jersey at the time, William Cahill, announces, or Cahill. Cahill, yeah. I think it's Cahill, but... It could be it could be Cahill. Anyway, it could be Cahill. Cahill, Cahill. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> exactly. So he announces that a lease had been signed between the New York Giants and the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority. So, and I quote from Wellington Mara, mm-hmm. Giants owner and active manager. Yeah. Every family dreams of the day they can move into their own, get away from the in-laws. You know, always being in the shadow of the Yankees. Right. I mean, you said it yourself. The Yankees were literally taking all of their money from them. And, yeah. like, it's not like you're going to be in a position to unseat the New York Yankees. Exactly. I don't know the specifics right. to how much money was being uh, taken by the Yankees, but they were definitely in their shadows and they were definitely under their authority. Yeah. So this became a big deal, even though they were only six miles west of the Empire State Building. And when they played at Yankee Stadium, they were six miles north. Hmm. So even though the location of the Meadowlands is just as far to the core of Manhattan, New York City definitely resented the move across state lines. Because right. there's state lines, different jurisdictions, different tax situations. You know, the team is not paying into uh, their fair share of of New York's Right, like state economy. taxes exactly. again to New York, yeah. So they're actually located, and this will become more important later on, um, near the town of Munaki. The Meadowland was essentially, and the area is called the Meadowlands, it was essentially a swamp area in East Rutherford, New Jersey. So the Giants, they sort of now could represent the state of New Jersey, um, and partially also represent New York City. Right. And now you started to see emerging a state a sense of state pride for the for New Jersey. For New Jersey. Yeah. Mm. And for for time, Jersey and like through researching this, like I know like from us being Canadians, like we always kind of got a sense that Jersey was always looked down upon. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like it was always like the feeder town to New York City. Yeah. And, like, just reading it, people talking about the state as basically being a highway between Philly and and New York. Like, Mm -hmm. so you got the Eagles fans in the south, and then you got the Giants fans in the north. I mean, it's always been kind of the butt of every, you know, Saturday Night Live joke, you know, that, oh, you're from Jersey, you know, like, it'll always get a laugh, because... I guess our perception of things is so like New York centric when it comes to just the media that we consume yeah. generally. Like not even talking about the NFL. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if this is true. Maybe this was just an urban legend, but supposedly they have the most landfills per capita of oh, any, yeah. any state <laughs> in the U.S. Nice. But you know what? After really looking into this, mm-hmm. I sort of grew like a, a soft spot for them. Yeah. And we'll go into it more later. So, New Jersey was happy, but the New York City officials were obviously livid. Like, mayor, the mayor at the time, John Lindsay, called them called the Giants callous, selfish, and ungrateful. Yikes! So, what frightened him the most was probably that the Jets, 
the New York Mets, and especially the Yankees, might join the Giants in the Meadowlands, mm. which the Jets actually did in 1984, right? Right. So the Giants had a lease at Yankee Stadium that ran until 1973. So remember, the announcement was in 1971. August 27th, right? Yeah. But they were kicked out after only playing two games. At the end of the 1973 baseball season, the Yankee Stadium like completely shut down. So like you know how there's the overlap, baseball season usually runs until late September, early October. Mm-hmm. So instead of continuing it until the Giants season ended, they just shut it down. Yeah, yeah. And I remember hearing about how during that game, or during that season as well, they had to play some games in in Connecticut while everything was being... Uh, so yeah, in 73 and 74, they, they play mm-hmm. at Yale Stadium. Right. Which is in Connecticut. And in 75, they play a season at, at Chase Stadium. With the Jets, right? With the Jets, because the yeah. Jets were already there. Mm-hmm. So in the 76 season, after their first four games were played away, right? they ended up hosting, for the first time, um, the Dallas Cowboys on October 10th, uh, which they lost 24-14. to 14. So after week seven, their head coach, Bill Arnsparger, was, was fired and re- immediately replaced by John McVay. Right. Which we'll get to in a later episode. So mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know John McVeigh, he ends up being a really important part of NFL history right. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a little tidbit of um, insight of him, he's also the grandfather of current NFL head coach Sean McVeigh. Right. So Sean McVeigh actually grew up in a very NFL friendly environment. Which makes sense that he's such a young head coach exactly, and still able yeah. to be successful, right? Yeah, definitely helped push his career forward a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, at that time, uh, the Giants replaced the New York logo, which at, prior to them moving into the stadium, they had New York, like NY, sure. on their on the, as a decal on their helmets, which they currently do now after changing it after so many years. Like, they changed it in the 2000s. Right. But for that period in the late 70s, 80s and 90s, they had just they, they had giants mm-hmm. on the side of the helmet, which I actually kind of like better. Yeah, and it's a very subtle way of being political, right? <laughs> of playing of playing it down the middle. Yeah, where yeah. it's like we're not we're trying not to lose as many fan like we're trying to gain as many fans possible as possible in the New, New Jersey area. Right, but also trying to keep our our base in in, in New York City. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. I mean, it's all about it's all about revenue, I guess, from the owner's perspective as well. Like, you know, you wouldn't sacrifice the money that you were giving up to the Yankees in order to just avoid moving to New Jersey, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, it makes sense that they would move it and kind of try to play it down the middle. You're right to try to get as many fans as possible. So, this is also one of the reasons it's it's important is because this also started to bring about change in the NFL Mm -hmm. um, where teams were like for the most part sports was generally a downtown um, metropolitan event and with them moving it to New Jersey in a more spacious environment Mm -hmm. this brought about more tailgating 
in a more like suburb friendly environment where people could drive out from their small towns and come to a specific congregate at a specific area. Right. So there's a New York Post New York Post article written by Stephen Long. And and I quote, he goes, in the era before her widespread tailgating when pro football was still mostly an urban experience, time has shown that the Giants owners, the Mara family, probably made a wise move. Major League Baseball, whose teams have rushed to build small stadiums reminiscent of Ebbets Field, have, has retained a distinctly urban feel. But pro football has become America's biggest spectacle, with games turning into an all-day affair where fans tailgate and teams set up uh, what amounts to a mini amusement park outside their stadiums. Mm. So I feel like the move really facilitated that additional part of football culture. The tailgating aspect or the sort of the... Yeah, think about it. Like around it, yeah. People who don't watch football, especially in Canada, they're still well aware of that sort of environment, especially in regards to college football. Mm-hmm. And it does really bring a bigger sense of community in that sense. You know, people mm-hmm. prepare part of the week for that Sunday or that Saturday. And I think that it was, in the end, a very, very wise move. It was a smart decision. Yeah. Definitely. Can you imagine if they were still sharing with, you know, a baseball team at this point? That would not be viable. Yeah, and and looking now, at like, looking within the context of today, like, a lot of teams have have sort of just sprawled out because football has become such a big sport. Mm-hmm. It's not as localized as, let's say, even, like, we watch soccer a lot. And soccer in in Europe is completely different because it's, it's specific to a neighborhood, in, even in a city, right? Yeah. In London, there are so many teams, right? So your allegiances just lie within a certain small boundary. Right, a few blocks. <laughs> Whereas there are 32 teams in the NFL, and they have to capture the, the fan base of 30, 300 million Americans, mm-hmm. you know? So it really does make sense for them, like besides the state line thing to be in a bigger environment you know to mm-hmm. capture capture more attention yep. so like look the the cowboys they're from dallas but they play in irving which is slightly outside the washington football team plays in landover maryland right and like even now the, the patriots they aren't the boston patriots they are the new england, new england. Patriots. Yeah, foxborough you know and then with the idea of it also being like finite games within a 16 game season mm-hmm. you really want a big spectacle outside the stadium yeah you like, want it to be an event right you want it to be memorable you yeah know? so then afterwards like we're going into let's just push it a little bit further now the and then we'll we'll touch on it a little bit later but eventually the organization ends up winning they end up uh, gaining momentum under coach Parcells they they reach and secure their first Super Bowl within the 1986-1987 season. But mm-hmm. then that sort of underlying tension between New York City and the Giants comes to the forefront again, uh, especially with uh, the, the current mayor at that time. So not not Lindsay, but Mayor Ed Koch. Koch? Koch? Uh, 
Coke, I think. Coke. <laughs> I would say Coke. It's probably Coke. Koch, maybe? Koch. I, probably... I never know how to pronounce that name, actually. The K-O-C-H, right? K-O-C-H, yeah. Yeah. I, I know that it, there are the Coke brothers. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so let's, for argument's sake, well, I apologize. The mayor. The mayor. <laughs> we'll call him the mayor Ed. Mayor Ed. <laughs> so, at that time, there was Mayor Ed. And then also the governor of New York yep. was Mario Cuomo, which nice. is Governor Cuomo's father. There you go. You know? So then, so prior to Super Bowl 86-87, which they secured, mm-hmm. Mayor Ed said, if they want, like, this was in regards to a ticker tape parade. So how would they be celebrated had they won their first Super Bowl, right? right. Um, and... The mayor essentially did not allow for them to. He did not want to sponsor a tape, uh, ticker tape parade in New York City. Right. He was basically against them coming to celebrate, even though there's a huge Giants fan base still in New York City. Definitely. But there was still that saltiness <laughs> from them having moved, right? From them having moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he calls them a foreign team. He goes on to say, I would probably go to a ticker tape parade and and instead of calling it Munaki, he pronounces it like Manucci. Manucci. Which people took the wrong way. Right. No, they pro- they they thought this guy probably is doing it to belittle us, you know? Yeah. And then so So petty. So petty, exactly. <laughs> you know, just all the just bad energy yeah. focused on that area in New Jersey. Right. To the extent where, like, you know, the city of Munaki, they're a small town, right? But they're sort of a prideful group. You know, they start putting up signs outside restaurants saying, go Jersey Giants, boo Coke. Right. (laughs) Um, At the the game versus Washington Redskins, fans held a sign, Mayor Coke, love thy neighbor. Mm -hmm. You know? And, like, one of the reasons that they're not even necessarily right at the stadium, but a lot of the players went to the local restaurant, which was called Manny's. You know, Parcells was very familiar with the neighborhood and stuff. Right. A lot of the players lived within proximity to Giant Stadium. That would make sense, yeah. So there was a sense of pride there. Sure. So, and, and on top of that, 60% of the season ticket holders were from Jersey. Right. You know, they were building that, like suburb family oriented fan base mm-hmm. even the the senator of new jersey at the time frank loudenberger tried to persuade the team to change its name to the new jersey giants mm. um and unfortunately uh, uh he made up his mind too late but coke actually sort of agreed to it after american express offered to pay seven hundred thousand dollars to to, to fund the parade. Oh, really? Okay. And, funny how that worked out. Yeah, it's eh? funny how that works out. <laughs> and the thing is about, uh, you might, people might wonder, like, why is this such a big deal? So, the pr- parades are usually a very good thing for champions and stuff, and it really brings together neighborhoods and cities. But specifically with New York City, there's an area in downtown Manhattan called, and they refer to it as the Canyon of Heroes, mm-hmm. because it's a it's a parade in downtown Manhattan that has that has historically honored and hosted 
several like leaders and very world-renowned people Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like an iconic thing to do and to celebrate the Giants first official Super Bowl win by doing that would have been really nice yes so at the time like eventually like it ended up like it never got resolved and they never ended up having a ticker tape parade in 1986 for the for 1986 during the 1987 Super Bowl. Oh, run. really? Yeah, uh, they never yeah. did. And Lame. it actually went on they went on to not do that as well for their second Super Bowl. But eventually in the 2007-2008 season, uh, Mayor Bloomberg yeah, eventually rectified this and he got and Eli Manning was able to do to present the, right. the Super Bowl trophy. Huh. Down the Canyon of Heroes. That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Now that you mention it, and all my research and everything, I'd never actually seen them at a parade. It was always just at the game, you know? Yeah. But, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that had been that petty. Yeah. Know? But hey. And, like, listen, you could tell, like, there's, there's a bit of resentment on both sides. Sure. And it's warranted, like, New Jersey, like, I had a soft spot for them. You know, I was watching... <laughs> Was what uh, NFL Network does a great coverage of this. They, they, it's actually narrated by jo- John Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> they, of course it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they, they really. And the funny thing is, like Parcells is actually from Jersey as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mentioned earlier that he was listening on the radio for the greatest game ever played. Like yeah. he was listening. His hometown is in in New Jersey. So yeah. And there's there's arguments on both sides. Um, there's one that really takes the side of of New York City mm-hmm. and it was and I found this article written by Howard Cosell famous sure. Howard Cosell who's influential in, in famous sport. football journalist like, yeah for sure and he goes on to talk about how uh, the NFL was remarkably successful in convincing the taxpaying New York public that they still had two football teams right. so essentially they are not seeing any economic benefit from the Jets or the Giants, mm-hmm. but they're still being, but the teams are still being marketed and pushed to the forefront yeah. of New York sports media, even though the state of New Jersey is seeing more of the benefit. Mm. So, the other thing that I would like to, to add about this, like one of the positive things that I think people forget to mention is that in 1984, they also bring on the New York Jets. And the Jets decide to play at the stadium. And now they don't play at the Meadowlands. They play at what is called the new Meadowlands or MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Which was one of the first, I think it was the first football super stadium built. And it cost them about a billion dollars. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons that they were able to facilitate that was because they took on the Jets and both teams funded it. Right. You see, that partnership probably really helped long term. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. I mean, you got to think about how expensive it would be to actually lease land in the state of New York or the city of New York. Like, yeah. it's got to be much more. Well, there there are definitely example. well there are definitely um, you know, and we see this all over when teams try to come to a city and stuff. Mm-hmm. They want tax incentives. They want the actual city to pay for the construction of the stadium. Of course, yeah. Because they 
point out that there's an economic benefit and then you can go either way sure um on it you know what i mean like some people just don't want to be at the mercy of a football team or any sports team right it just depends if you're a sports fan I it, guess. yeah it really just depends on <laughs> if you're a sports if you care about sports then uh, obviously you want the team to be you know, there if you don't. And, and usually you know, it's funny because, like, on both sides, like, you, you people, there are people that are usually not in favor of big companies, you know, uh, doing that to governments. But when it comes to sports, right. they it's sort of change their that. tune, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is just a matter kind of, of, of perspective in that yeah. sense of, like, yeah. do you see a sports team as a giant company or corporation which i guess it is you it know? is at the end of the day yeah, it is money making entity venture. exactly um yeah that's that's interesting like yeah. i didn't realize that there was that much drama between yeah. like, well you sort of like the just the narrative around jersey versus new york city you know jersey's yeah. a, a working class town you know right. think of all those bon jovi songs <laughs> you know you know bruce springsteen is from there like yeah they sort of i was like you know i was i was looking into this and I was reading about it and they, they talk about a Jersey guy and I think it was Phil Sims or another or Harry Carson or someone yeah. was talking about like he's never heard the words you are a bum so much until the, until the Giants <laughs> moved <laughs> into, into New Jersey into New Jersey <laughs> you know so and like you you get the sense of like a Jersey guy just saying what's on his mind telling right. You the way it is, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. no pretentiousness. Yeah, it sort of makes you feel for that, and it's not, it's sort of nice. And there is really, and there is really a compromise. I would say personally, I feel like, like if I was living in New York City, and I was being, uh, I was being painted as this like very posh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, kind of like stuck up, stuck kinda, up town. I'd be sort of offended yeah. because I don't feel like the whole city of New York is like that. Oh only, no, definitely. Only like if I was from Queens, I definitely would feel slightly offended. And right. and really, I know aside from the tax situation and stuff, I still feel like it's a like North Jersey. You get the sense that North Jersey and New York is just one area separated by sure. a border. Right. I mean, there's definitely a lot of crossover, but I mean, Jersey in general, it's like either you're a Giants fan or an Eagles fan anyway, Yeah. when it comes to comes to football. So I guess there's always been that sense of it kind of being the, the little brother in a way yeah. to New York. So I'm glad that, you know, Jersey's finally able to get some shine, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much... so. Yeah, they it definitely had a lasting impact, and it definitely brought about change in different areas yeah. um, that were not specific to on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know. I I think it was a just an overall interesting story. I think so too. I mean, again, I didn't realize that there was that much drama between the two, between the mayor and New Jersey, and yeah. all that stuff, but. It is interesting to, you know, to see the transition of the Giants to, you know, from playing at the Polo Grounds to like being at Yankee Stadium with people in, you know, fur coats and stuff watching them, and then all of a sudden they move to, to New Jersey. And as you mentioned, uh, like MetLife Stadium, they moved in in twenty ten off the top of my head, 
Corona. Um, so that went from 76 to about 2010. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Springsteen because I remember seeing a video of the them demolishing um, old giant stadium. And they had a live concert at like as a tribute for old giant stadium and Bruce Springsteen played. And I was like the most you know, New Jersey thing ever, yeah. basically. <laughs> it's based on my conception of what New Jersey is. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, tell us what you think. Do you think that in this situation, the New Jerseyans were more, you know, like, what side are you on? Because I know that there is that slight beef. Yeah. And I forgot to mention, actually, former governor Chris Christie also uh, a very like a self-proclaimed Jets fan he he likes to throw in his daggers every so often yes he talks about how these teams should be called the New Jersey Giants and the New Jersey Jets <laughs> you know it's just like you know trying to get the New York City fans riled up and right, stuff of course, of course but really tell us uh, your opinion on the matter and uh, yeah reach out to us on Twitter guys yeah for sure we'd love to hear from you and thanks for listening again to Check Down Charlie's guys